there has to be a level of discomfort if you're very comfortable doing something it's not necessarily going to be good why does content creation feel so scary because until you hit publish on that blog podcast or social media post you have no idea how people are going to react to your content are they going to love it hate it or and this can be worse completely ignore it generally you know as human beings we tend not to go to places which are unfamiliar to us uncharted territory i think women have a bigger fear of failure than men do so how do you get over your fear of putting yourself out there how do you find the courage to move away from safe and possibly boring to creating content that makes a real impact that's exactly what you'll find out in this podcast interview with communications and diversity consultant sudha singh who finally found the courage to launch a podcast last year after years of thinking about it was like oh my god i really don't know what i'm doing it all seemed hugely risky and challenging and uncomfortable while sudha talks about launching a podcast the experiences she shares are applicable to any type of content so if you've ever felt yourself gripped with fear perfectionism self doubt or wondering if you have imposter syndrome then you're going to get so much value from this episode you're listening to the courageous content podcast I'm Janet Murray and I love helping coaches, creatives and entrepreneurs create super engaging content that generates leads and sales for their businesses. No one starts a business and just knows how to create engaging content. It's a skill that has to be learned and practiced. And there's always something new to learn, no matter how long you've been in business. And I know running an online business can feel messy. Perfectionism Fear, self-doubt, and other mindset stuff can stop you showing up online in the way that's best for you. So you'll get help with that too. Ready to get courageous with your content? Let's get started. You started a podcast in 2020. Only one in three podcast hosts are women. Why do so few women start podcasts? I think women have a bigger fear of failure than men do. women are expected to just blend in and be pink and be pretty and just be in the background and not do anything that creates waves i think it's to do with underlying issues around the imposter syndrome men girls and boys are socialized very differently at a young age and boys are taught to be more outgoing and be themselves while girls are restricted from being themselves don't be noisy or don't be dirty don't do this don't do that keep quiet or don't shout girls don't do that girls are always supposed to be nice and boys are supposed to be naughty and i think what it does is that it gives boys the freedom to explore their personalities and their abilities better and actually to navigate life with more confidence than it does to the girls i think this manifests through various stages of life when women don't take so many chances at different stages because they're unsure or uncertain and because they've not done too much decision making also in their lives girls tend not to take any risks because when you have a job application and when there is a new job advertised you'll notice that men who fulfill maybe 50 to 60% of the criteria will apply for the jobs but women who probably 
take around 90 or 95 percent of the boxes will not apply for the jobs because they feel that they don't meet all the requirements. They don't have all the necessary skills in order to apply for the job. So they exclude themselves often from a lot of opportunities because of their self-doubt, because they do not have enough of confidence or belief in their own abilities. And I think this is something that starts in the childhood and gets perpetuated across different stages of life. In the workplace, you'll see it, you know, when women get talked over in meetings or if there are two men and there is one woman in a meeting and then the women will probably go and get the coffee or be writing the notes. And of course, launching a podcast is not the easiest. Not everyone is doing it, but women are thinking this is a big risk. They may be specialists in their field. They may be great at what they do, but they're thinking, you know, oh, I've never done this before, so I'm not going to try it. That's their most likely thought. What's your podcast about? So the Elephant in the Room podcast is a curated safe space to have uncomfortable conversations about inequalities and inequities in our workplaces. It's a weekly podcast and every week I interview inspiring speakers on issues that are taboo and that deserve to be mainstream, including racism, discrimination, mental health, climate change. We talk about cultural purpose, ethics, cultural intelligence, intersectionality. I want to share stories of lived experience with people, stories that have not been told before. And I hope to inspire people to take action for change. The idea is also to share best practice, hear from activists and from leaders who've done things in order to enable change. The hope is that this will support them in their journey towards making our world more fairer and more inclusive. Some of the topics you've covered on your podcast, things like periods, mental health, women's desire, they may be taboo in some societies, but they're not in others. Can you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. This is such an interesting topic. Maybe two weeks ago, I had a young entrepreneur who's based out of the UK called Ruby Rao, and she set up a period pants business. Mm-hmm. And she comes from Nepal, where there is huge amount of taboo around menstruation. It's changing, I think, in the towns and the cities. It'll be different from what it is in more rural places, and which is similar to what it would be in Indian homes. You know, in the cities, it would be different. But within certain cultures, there would be some taboo or the other around it. People don't want to hear about it, don't want to talk about it. You know, but, or some people won't tell their parents or their father to go and get a product. they require. When I spoke to her, I was fascinated to hear about period poverty in a developed country like the UK and how terrible an issue it is. So in early Jan 2021, they removed the VAT from period products, tampons and single-use period, but they haven't removed the VAT from period pants. Now, period pants is a sustainable product. It is reusable and sustainable. And tampons and uh, period products add to land refill. You're like, it'll take us thousands of years to get rid of that for it to decompose. It was fascinating to hear when she spoke about how in the last two years due to the pandemic, it has pushed more and more women, young women into period poverty because of less money, job losses, Even though these seem like essentials, they are not available to everyone. 
which is shocking. And this is not like a hundred odd people in some community. It's like hundreds and thousands, probably millions. On the issue of female desire, I've spoken to Shubha Menon, who is an author of The Second Coming, and she speaks about female desire in her book. I think her idea was to actually address something which doesn't get talked about enough, but which exists. She used to be in an agency and she used to be at Ogilvy at that point in time. And she and her female peers used to speak about, you know, people they liked or would want to go out with, etc. I think in mainstream media in India, you'd never see these conversations. Maybe five years back with that book, what she was trying to do is make these conversations mainstream because people were feeling like that. Women have those desires and there are women who want to have a life even after they've had children and after a certain age. With that book, I think she helped to spread some awareness. I think if you look at India as a country, mental health has been a huge taboo. I think people, women especially, are expected to be very resilient. So Shubha, Shubha does a lot of work around mental health and mental health awareness because she is someone who has bipolar disorder. People are more open about it. In the last two years, it has become easier for boys also to talk about it and men to talk about it. The good thing that has happened in India is that a lot of celebrities and stars, Bollywood stars, have started talking about their own issues. And that has opened up the platform for other people to talk about their issues. What were your fears about starting a podcast? Lots of fears. I think the huge imposter syndrome again. You know, who am I to start this podcast on this issue? Who am I to start this elephant in the room to talk about issues of equity and inclusion? And I didn't feel that I had the experience or the courage also to actually do it until I did. And I was nervous about the entire process, about the technology, the recording. Should I use a mic, not use a mic? What platform would I record? The intros, the outros. Generally, as human beings, we tend not to go to places which are unfamiliar to us, uncharted territory. So yeah, it was a huge leap of faith. And I felt that I was taking a risk until the day that I published the podcast. And then I thought, okay, that's not that bad. What was it that felt risky? I think just putting myself out there, you know, so who is Sudha and what is her credibility and what are her credentials for actually starting this? And does she even know what to do with this whole thing? Does she know how to treat the topics or the speakers, give the right amount of respect and time to so many of the issues on equity and inclusion that we are talking about? So I think that was the huge thing about putting myself out there I'd never put myself out there. I'm an introvert and I don't like to put myself out there or speak or engage beyond a certain point if I need to do work. I think my meetings with my clients used to be the shortest meetings and after I finished the meeting, I wouldn't know what to do with them. I'm not very chatty either. I feel if I was in your shoes, I might be nervous about tackling some of those topics. And maybe this is because I'm a white British person Perhaps I have a fear of saying the wrong thing, of offending someone or asking the wrong question or phrasing something in the wrong way. Did you feel that too? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think I felt all of the things that you mentioned, Janet, and 
I think one thing that helped me was the past two or three years that I've been educating myself on these issues that I was going to tackle in my podcast. I think that gave me a bit of amount of confidence. And also before I interview any of the guests, I do a huge amount of research huge and sometimes I really have to stop myself from falling into a pit you know where I'm not able to come out because it may not even be relevant to the conversation that we are having but I do a huge amount of research to see what they've spoken about what they tend to be like what their conversations are like and I'm cautious the podcast is not meant to be sensational so I don't ask any sensational questions I don't think I ask things people would hesitate to answer. Uh, They may be uncomfortable responding to some of the questions, but not things that they would outright not want to answer. The podcast is not meant to be sensationalist. It's not meant to call out people. And I understand your hesitation, Janet, when you mentioned as a British person about the language or, you know, the words that you use or the emphasis at different points in time. In today's world where Constantly, people are calling out other people. I think it's become sort of a bit of a hobby for some people. At this point, I wish I'd asked Sudha this question. What's the difference between a sensational question and one that makes people uncomfortable? I think that would be such an interesting area to explore, and I'm kicking myself that I didn't ask it. But I did ask her whether she thought you had to get uncomfortable to create good content. Absolutely, yes. There has to be a level of discomfort. If you're very comfortable doing something, it's not necessarily going to be good or great. And I think when we put ourselves in situations where we are not comfortable or we are not sure or we are uncertain about the outcomes, you're going to get something that is going to have a bigger impact. The podcast has put me in a situation where I'm constantly uncomfortable about reaching out to people I don't know, who I may have never met and who may not know me from Adam. And it means that I really need to put myself out there. I think that's a huge risk and be in a place where I can get rejected and be told that, no, I mean, why did you think I'd like to be on your podcast? It was like, oh my God, I really don't know what I'm doing. It all seemed hugely risky and challenging and uncomfortable, but I felt good in doing that because it was after a very long time that I was putting myself in a place where I had a sense of discomfort, but I also knew that nothing bad would come of it. At the end of it, I would have tried. I think it can be a really tough one. I know certainly I felt as somebody who's got a content platform and people are kind of saying well you should be talking about this issue and you should be saying something about that but there's always this risk that you'll say something well maybe that you won't say the wrong thing but someone might misinterpret what was intended it feels sometimes like people are just waiting for you to make a mistake yeah absolutely I agree with you that there are a lot of people just waiting to trip you up or trip others up. But the other point is also when there is this huge inflection point in society and the world, and we're all learning as we move through different times. And the last two years has been like huge transformative for how we live, how we work, how we play, who we engage with, how we speak. So I think the most important thing to remember, Janet, is about authenticity, because when you talk about Black Lives Matter and when it started off, host of organizations who jumped on the bandwagon 
to get their own bit of limelight in that area. And there were a huge number of organizations who didn't do anything about it. The reason they didn't do anything about it is that they had been working for decades in that space already. And uh, they didn't need to stand up and show their credentials. But there were other people who did it authentically during that time. So it should be aligned to what your business is and your business goal is. As a content creator, I think you are well-placed to speak about some of these things and there should be no hesitation in speaking about it coming from a point of view from who you are. You're a content creator. So your business and your job, you don't necessarily have to advise clients on racial equity, right? Because mm. you don't have the experience in you. It doesn't sit right with you. It doesn't align with what you're doing. I think there's definitely things we can do as content creators to help. So as a podcaster, I'm very much aware of making sure I have a diverse range of voices on the podcast and not just in terms of, of color, but also about experiences and actually taking the time to look for new voices and to hear different perspectives. But it does take time and it does take more effort, doesn't it? Absolutely. It does take time and it does take effort, but we are all guilty of it. You know, when you look at your the five or six people who are around you and then the 10 people who are around you, who are these people? Generally, these people are people who are similar to us, you know, people who we are comfortable with. So as human beings, we have a natural tendency to gravitate towards people like us, but I think we have to increasingly make an effort to make those groups, closer groups, more diverse because mm -hmm. then the broader groups will be more diverse because you're seeing those people. I think what you do is incredible and that you don't speak about that enough is you work with small businesses. A lot of them are female businesses and you help them to get on their feet, to show them the strategies. And these are not just a tutorial one day thing that you tell them and it's done with. You help them on their journey. And small businesses are the heartbeat of any economy, of any country. That is what actually, it's not the Unilever and the PNG that make the world go around. It is the small businesses. You do an incredible job with that. So I think you should definitely feel proud about your contribution to what you are doing on you know, being inclusive. When I was listening back to this podcast, I found myself wondering whether I should cut this part. I mean, do you really need to hear my guest congratulating me about being inclusive? But then I thought about what Suda had said about women being socialised not to show off or draw attention to themselves. And I thought about how consistently I show up and have done over the years with my own content and how many women have shared with me that that alone has inspired them to keep going with their content. So I decided to keep it in, but it definitely feels uncomfortable. But what did Suda say about feeling uncomfortable with your content? You also talked about your voice and not liking your voice, which is a really common thing people say when they're thinking about starting a podcast. How do you feel about your voice? Oh my God. Yeah, I didn't realize that I sound like what I sound until I heard my voice back. Because when you speak at a conference, you don't go back to hear your voice, do you? So I'd not really heard my voice back until. I recorded the trailer and I thought, oh my God, I don't really like how I sound. My voice sounds so strange to me. And I was also conscious of a couple of podcasters that I've heard who I want to sound like, but I didn't sound like them. I didn't sound as animated. My voice was not as intimate, not as conversational. But I think after the first episode, I sort of got over it. I thought that 
voice is not the important thing here i think the important thing is the voice of the person i'm interviewing and the content what they're speaking about that is the important thing the thing that my voice does there is ask the questions so that we can have a great conversation we can have uh, good insights and share best practice and my yeah. guest is the voice of my guest and what they say is more importantly actually the tone of their voice is also not as important or how their voice sounds is not that important and i have realized that people don't come to hear your podcast because of how you sound you didn't really have a content strategy you didn't have a funnel you just thought i wanted to create content because this interests me these people interest me is that right Yeah, I didn't set up the podcast with an idea of monetizing it or making money out of it, using it as a funnel. I knew what the podcast was about and I knew what I wanted to talk about, the topics that I wanted to talk about, discrimination, inequity, fairness, purpose, ethics, inclusion, etc. So I knew broadly that these are the things that I wanted to talk about and I then went followed the people who were good at talking about this those things and also to whom i network to whom i could reach out to who were amenable to getting on the podcast so there was no content strategy in the real sense that most people i think when they have a podcast i think the broad, the bigger aim or the main aim is to monetize that podcast that podcast should help them to grow their business in some form or the other from my point of view it is my learning and listening project and i also think it's a platform that helps me to build my credibility and also my authority on these issues it helps me to position myself as someone who understands these topics and is able to support people if you're looking at culture change or you're looking at increasing women in leadership and you've listened to a few of my podcast episodes you'll understand that i know about this not because i am interviewing myself but because of how i'm asking the questions or how i'm framing the conversation i've had a few people who've reached out to me not hundreds but in their tens who've reached out to me for potential business opportunities mm. but money has never been the most important thing when mm. i started the podcast or even at this juncture and is there anything you would do differently if you were starting again <laughs> um I don't think I'd do anything differently. I'd be less fearful and I wouldn't wait for those 5 or 6 months that I kept making excuses that I had other things to do. I would get started with it immediately. Mm. And for anyone listening who's sitting on a content project, so it could be podcast, YouTube channel, blog, just even posting on social media, what advice would you have about moving past those fears? So I'd advise them to jump off the cliff and not to worry and it is not like jumping off the cliff actually uh, once you've taken that step but at the end of the day you have to remember that you need to get started at some point and that failure is not a bad thing at the end of the day it is one blog it's one podcast episode you have put an effort but you will learn a lot from that it will teach you and it will help you to get to the next stage of wherever you want to go but if you don't take that step you're never going to know what's going to happen the problem with content is that we want to know the ending before we've even started writing the story but we can't possibly know how our content is going to land unless we're brave enough just to put it out there which is why i guess it can feel so hard to get started 
As Sudha's experience shows, when you're brave enough just to put your content out there without a guarantee of a happy ending or a bank account full of cash, when you're open enough to see it as a learning opportunity and accept that you might make mistakes along the way because you genuinely want to share that content with the world, well, that's when the magic starts to happen. I hope that this interview with Sudha will inspire you to put your content out in the world, even if it feels scary and even if you don't know how it's all going to work out. If you'd like to connect with Sudha Singh, I'll share her LinkedIn profile and also her website in the show notes. Would you like to create super engaging content about your business and do it consistently? If so, you need my Courageous Content Planner in your life. It's a gorgeous A4 desk diary that's so simple to use because it's based on my 4x4 strategy, which involves posting four styles of content four days a week. Yes, content planning really can be that easy. There's templates for daily, weekly, monthly, and annual planning, so you know exactly what to post, where, and when. Plus hundreds of ready-to-go content ideas and prompts. So you'll never run out of ideas for social media posts again. And accountability trackers to keep you consistent with your posting. The Courageous Content Planner is both practical and pretty, with four gorgeous cover designs to choose from. So if you want to ditch the content overwhelm and you want a simple content plan you can actually stick to, head over to CourageousContentPlanner.com to order your copy today. Thanks for listening to the Courageous Content Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or share the episode on social media. That way, more people can benefit from the free tips and strategies I share. And be sure to tag me in when you do. I'm at Jan Murray on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. 